0: Thank you very much. I'm Lisa Spector, your
1: Piano Ninja, and it's an honor to
0: open this party, this podcast celebration party, and I will turn it over to Robert now.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Lisa. What a fun way to start our Zoom call. (laughs) So Lisa's the Piano Ninja. She's been a piano-playing entrepreneur since 1997, and she's a graduate of Juilliard and has performed internationally in China, Poland, Spain, France, and Italy. She's known for her business that combined music and her love of dogs, creating music for pet anxiety. And now she's, uh, whether you're listening to her music for dogs, cats, or people, or experiencing her music enthusiasm as an educator, she puts her heart at the center of her music, so it touches deep into your soul, leaves you feeling inspired. Inspired. And Lisa's available for Zoom calls, corporate events. And in the chat, she's got a gift for you. So you can see the link we've posted there. And so please go check that out. Thank you, Lisa, so much for uh, serving us today.
0: Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Have fun. Have a great party. I'll hang out for a little
1: bit. <laughs> Woohoo. So obviously, my goal today is to say thank you to each of you. And... Um, Each of our guests that have appeared on the show, this party's for you. And the podcast started and literally the first five episodes got five downloads. And then you invite people on the show and they ask, how many downloads do you have? How many subscribers do you have? And you're like, "Um, well, I have one. My dad, he listens to every episode. And so in the beginning, it feels like I'm not sure this is ever going to work. And in fact, there are times you're still asking is it working? I have no idea. So for us, it was working from the start because we were interviewing great guests and each guest was introducing us to more and more great guests. So for me, it was about the guests and the great conversations. And I know if we're putting out great conversations, the audience is going to grow and that's what's happening. Yeah. So today, Add Valued Entrepreneurs episodes have been downloaded over 700 times. August was our first full month. We had 28 downloads. September, we had 83. October, we had 195. Uh, November, we hit 307. And in the first eight days of December, we already have 73. So you can see the numbers are growing quickly. We've released 64 episodes as of today. We have 13 episodes still recorded, ready to be released. And we have 10 people, actually 12 now, that have scheduled for recording. So some cool, really cool things happening. In November, we started releasing conversations with couples where Noelle and I both interview a couple um, together who are building their businesses. And this added a new dimension to the show, giving Noelle a chance to be participating in our conversations. We recently added our Dream 100 to the bottom of my signature line and are already starting to get interviews with some of the folks that are on our Dream 100 list. So there's a lot to celebrate, but it all starts with you and our first 75 guests. So today is my small way of saying thank you. There's a day coming when this guest party is gonna be at some great destination. We're gonna have dinner and drinks before a conference that we're hosting. And those of you that are coming are gonna be guests on our show, guests on on our conference and we'll all be celebrating together. And so, but how does a startup podcast celebrate guests? Well, we mail them Smarties and Jolly Ranchers and we send them instructions to bake their own cake. So um, we also gave you all the chance to ask us questions. And so today we're gonna answer some of those questions. We also have two wonderful guest speakers. Two of our most liked guests on the show who are gonna add value and teach us some tips and tricks to make our lives and businesses better. And so I'm so excited. So I think we're going to start with a couple of questions.
2: All right, Robert, here's the first one. What do you deem your purpose in life to be in your life and work?
1: Whew. All right. So 27 years ago, Noel and I encountered God, a God who loved us and rescued us and relentlessly pursues us. And in that journey, he has shown us that the only thing that matters to him is people, and people need to be loved. So our purpose in life is to love people. We want to add value to people's lives. We want to build relationships and create friendships that last a lifetime. We want to see people lifted up and set free and empowered. And we want to do all we can to love anyone and everyone we come into contact with, right where they are with no strings attached. And the second part of loving people, like our children, we want to empower people to tap into their potential, to believe in themselves and their dream, To accomplish great things in the world but
3: what is it like to work together
1: Ah, so we got a couple questions that are related to noelle and i working together um but we complement each other in so many areas noelle is brilliant and she fills in so many of my gaps i'm a big idea guy and i just jump in and do stuff noelle is the planner and she makes sure we take care of the details but even when we don't have all the details she trusts that we're gonna make great things happen. And she encourages and trusts me that what we're building is going to make a great big impact. So my biggest challenge is I keep too much in my head and I haven't shared enough to let her in on it. All that's going on up here. So sometimes she feels like the tail is trying to wag the dog, but I'm working on it.
2: We put some party challenges out um, that we are celebrating. So Robert and I did make a small
3: party cake last night and got.
2: Hats, and of course, pin pins on so our pins. Unless you really want to show how much you love us and wear our pins around town, we would love that. But right in the chat, if you participated in some of the elements that we encouraged, there's bonus points for our giveaways. We have like about a dozen, I think, including books by our amazing guests.
1: Woo. All right, I got to take the hat off because I promised my grandson he could have it. <clears throat> All right, are we having fun yet? <laughs> All right, so we're off to a great start. I just hope you're feeling the love and appreciation that we want to express because I'm so excited to introduce our first guest. Geraldyn Thomas is a professional organizer, career coach for professional organizers, and an instructor for professional organizers around the world. Geraldyn is the author of Decluttering Your Home, Tips, Tactics, and Trade Secrets, and From Hoarding to Hope, understanding people who hoard and how to help them. And of course, she was on A&E's Hoarders for four seasons. And so she's has a lot of great experience with a, with a great big network. But she's also amazing and encouraging. She was our 26th conversation. And when we got on the call, she said, I've listened to every episode and I just love the conversations you're having. That was so encouraging to me. And then she and I had a conversation a couple of weeks later and she really helped me make some improvements to try and gear questions towards actionable advice in addition to the stories that we were sharing. It helped us to make improvements for the show and I really appreciate her and I know she's gonna add a ton of value for you today. So, and also if you have any questions, please write them in the chat and we'll try to pass those on to Geraldine during the show so that we can answer those up when she's finished. So without further ado, Geraldine.
0: Hey everybody, welcome. I'm in Cary, North Carolina wearing my pin, wore a sparkle top, a velvet blazer. I got into the whole party atmosphere tonight. So I'm so happy to see all of you. My topic tonight is the psychology of clutter. After the show, I received a few questions from people who listened and um, I believe some of them were former guests. I'm not calling anyone out but Robert and I chatted back and forth in email a few times and I thought I would just do a very brief presentation on the psychology of clutter because that's really what's near and dear to my heart. Now, in order to um, participate, I'm gonna ask everybody to be a little like Lisa and exercise your fingers some manual dexterity by typing away in the chat box. So I'm going to start by giving you my definition of clutter And as I say these things, I want you to just type in the first thing that comes to mind. And the first thing um, I wanna tell you about clutter is that I use the word un. So there's four or five uns, U-N. So the first thing is things that are unloved. And this is where your job is to go into the chat box and think of something in your home, your office, your car, a nightstand drawer that is unloved, anybody, anything. So this could also include friends, acquaintances, and strangers in your life. So think of your social media accounts if you'd really like to ditch some of those people in there. Okay, anything that's unused. So unloved and unused. And sometimes you have some things that are unused and unloved, and they're the same thing. But I don't encourage getting rid of these things. And my examples for this would be a toilet plunger. I don't love it. And it may have been a while since I've used it, but I'm certainly not going to get rid of it because when I need it, I want to know exactly where it is. Or maybe a snow shovel. And I know at least Jackie's in Canada, so <laughs> she will never get rid of her sl- snow shovel. And she may love hers. But in North Carolina, I don't love it. So unused, unloved. And you know, you could think about like a drawer full of markers, pens, and pencils. We all have our favorites, but for some reason, we don't let go of those other ones. Third thing is things that are unfinished. Anybody have any unfinished stuff around? Just go ahead and type that for me, please. And for this, I'd like to dedicate this unfinished stuff to all the crafters out there, if there are any. So drawers of unfinished knitting or scrapbook or paintings or any of that good stuff. House decor, I see. (laughs) Jackie says everything in her craft, almost everything in her craft, bin. I like that. Okay. And things that are unresolved. What is unresolved in your life that you're willing to chat in the chat box about? It could be conversations. Maybe someone owes you money and you're dreading it, but it's kind of mental clutter. It's sticking around in your mind. You're going to bring it up someday, but meanwhile, it's driving you crazy. Or maybe you Netflix cheated on your partner. Now, what that means is you're both watching the same show and one of you, while the other one is away, steps ahead and starts watching more and more episodes. So that's what I call a Netflix cheat. So that's something a little unresolved, the conversation. So let's see. Okay. Anybody got anything good going in there? Netflix cheating. Yeah, I'm keeping it PG, Robert, keeping it PG. It's only five o'clock on the East Coast, so we can't go there yet. All right. Next section, I'm going to move on to where does clutter come from? So this should be really nice and easy for most of you to participate in. Relatives, the number one source of unwanted clutter. Sometimes they give gifts that we don't want. Does anybody like me have an old elderly aunt that has taken to painting ceramics? I do, I have a King Neptune, I have cherub angels. I have all kinds of weird stuff. I don't love these. They feel a little bad letting go of them. Or what about photos, right? People send us photos. We're like, okay, your kids are cute, but my kids are cuter. So who's going to win that battle? Oh, I love everything going on here. Okay. um, Another place clutter comes from is our coworkers. Now we know that this could mean email or jokes or they just pop in and leave their stuff around your office. They forget to take it back. Techy stuff, any techno people here. Every time we buy a new device, we have to get a new cord, a new charger, a new plug, something or other. So tech brings a lot of stuff. Cosmetic companies gift us with a lot of junk that we will never use. Anybody, raise your hand. If you have a fragrance, you will never wear. A lipstick that is completely the wrong shade or any bath bombs that you're just not willing to take a chance on. Okay, I see the chat is good going along. And then the um, last thing I'll say for where does clutter come from, are class reunions, conventions and events, right? So sometimes we walk through these halls and we grab the squishy ball or the tote bag. How many of us really need another tote bag? Raise your hand if you do, cause I've got a bunch of them I can send you. Drew wants tote bags okay Drew you're gonna get them be careful all right and then let's chat for just a minute about how clutter makes us feel I can't wait to see what starts coming up oh somebody's got a Palm Pilot very nice (laughs) nice nice okay hopeful how does clutter make us feel hopeful you wonder well raise your hand if you have some really dusty old exercise equipment a bow flex, the gazelle, maybe a stair climber, or maybe you have clothes in the back of your closet that are two sizes too small, and you think to yourself, someday I'm going to get back in those. So that's kind of a hopeful feeling. Fearful, we hold on to things. If you can think of anything right now that you're holding on to just in case, or because you're scared that you will need it someday, go ahead and type what that thing is in the chat box for me, please. And then guilty, this is probably the number one reason that people I work with hang on to things they feel bad letting it go and I just happen to work with a lot of really sentimental people so they hung on to things because. They just didn't have the heart to let it go, or maybe they were given something years ago and they were worried that person would come over and notice that it's not out on display in their house. And then embarrassed, I don't know if anybody here knows what the word, the initials chaos stand for, can't have anyone over syndrome. So if you're kind of the person who has what I call doorbell dread, the doorbell rings and you run for cover and think, I'm not home, I'm not home, don't answer to the door because your house is kind of upside down all the time. Or maybe somebody, a relative wants to come spend the night now that the pandemic's cooling down, our phone's ringing a little bit. People want to come spend the night, and you're thinking, no way, because my guest room is a hot mess. So, anybody can relate to any of those things? All right, I'm going to quickly move on because I know we have another speaker about the benefits of getting organized. What, how do you feel? What are the benefits when you feel like you have taken control of your inbox, your photos, your contacts, the physical stuff in your office or home? relief. Yep, that's good. Relieved, relieved, accomplished, organized and relieved. We seem to have a big crowd going for relief here. (laughs) It does feel relieved, right? So it also kind of brings the benefit of giving you more space in your home. And hopefully you're not going to fill those spaces up just the minute, the minute after you get them emptied out. Um, I also think um, being organized can help save you money, right? So you don't have to buy duplicates. You know, I always tell this story about these people who have 30 things of ketchup or the towels for washing their car or whatever it is because they can't find what they need when they need it. So they go buy another one and think, someday I'll find it, but right now I need this thing right now. So, um, You also pay your bills on time. And I know most of us are probably, I'd be curious, how many of you pay electronically now um, with an auto pay service? Okay, great. And then for some of you, you wanna be a good role model for those you live with and it could be children or maybe even a coworker, maybe you're leading a team and you're supposed to set a great example. But I think overall, as most of you expressed, being organized brings a sense of relief and less stress means you sleep better, you breathe better, and overall you're just generally a happier person. So a few organizing tips, and this is what some of the people contacted me about, they wanted some specifics. So I always say, start with the psychology of it, figure out what you're hanging on to and why, and where that stuff is coming from and what's the worst thing that will happen if you let go of it. And then from there, I would say, one system is to pull everything out. So let's say you're doing your junk drawer, that's a small manageable, hopefully not too large of a project, but can be done in a day, in an hour and 10 minutes. But um, I think it's best to pull everything out so that you can see everything put together and then edit. Meaning, get rid of the stuff that you don't love, categorize. So, you know, how many black markers do you really need? How many favorite pens can one person have? Then, contain. So, figure out a container, how you're going to store the things, and then maintain. So, the, the system for everything that we talk about, pretty much, at least in my organizing world, is edit, categorize, contain, and maintain then another system that i like to use i stole from monticello i was talking to the people monticello is thomas jefferson's home in virginia in case you don't know that and i was talking to the people that clean monticello and as you can imagine there must be a system in place there's lots of little doodads thomas jefferson was a really curious person and they told me that they start at the door and they work from in a clockwise position And I always thought that was a great thing to share with my clients. So if you're in a room, start from the bottom, I mean, excuse me, from the top to the bottom and work your way around clockwise. So that's a nice system. If I'm cleaning something like a closet or a refrigerator, my method, and there's a lot of ways to do this. I don't have the answer to everything, but this is what works for me and my clients seem to approve. So I... Like, let's say it's the refrigerator, I would act like that's a book I start in the upper left hand corner top and I work my way left to right shelf by shelf. Again, I'm going to use that same process of edit contain, excuse me, edit categorize contain and maintain so look for things that are expired look for things that look kind of moldy and mildewy pitch them start fresh make a shopping list and contain things. And then. um, Again, this is going to be an individual um, way to approach things, but I'm a big rocks first type of person when what I mean by that is I do my best work in the morning, very early. And I know as the day goes on, I lose steam and I don't make decisions. I'm not as quick at decision making and I become fatigued. So I like to take my hardest tasks first when I first wake up. And I know that I'm good for about 90 minutes. And I think that's an average time for a lot of people to stay focused on something without becoming distracted or bored. Now, if you're not that type of person, if you know that you're a late night owl or you come, you know, you get your second wind after lunch, work with what works best for you. Again, no right way to do it. So cross the smaller tasks off your list first thing in the morning, perhaps. And then um, I guess I'll wrap up on this note, is do not start with the sentimental stuff if you're a sentimental person. That seems to be the trickiest for all people is to look at things that have been left to you or that remind you of something really special. I think save those things for later And it's kind of like you build up steam. Once you're in motion, you tend to stay in motion. So that would be my tip is save the sentimental stuff for last, do the easier stuff first. And with that, I'll break and ask for how's my time on that, Robert? And if there are any questions. Thanks, Drew. Thanks, Jackie. Thanks, guys.
1: That was awesome. And yeah, so if you have a question, now's the time to ask. Please make sure we ask some questions. Um, or a comment about what what spoke to you. That was outstanding. Can't Drew, believe you- go didn't... ahead. Is that a question? Yep, unmute. More
4: of a statement. Thanks Thanks for uh, having me, by the way, Robert, but more of a statement uh, than a question. I didn't realize I had a problem until now. Thank you for that. <laughs> um, secondly, uh, now I want to learn how to play the piano. I'm learning all kinds of things by joining in here. Um, but yeah, no, everything that you said at home and I'm going, man, that's me on everything. And Robert mentioned in the chat as well to me being like, well, throw it out. Cause I said, if you can't see it, you don't know you had it, then you can get rid of it. That's usually my tat. And then he says, but what if you need it someday? And that's usually, you know, thanks. Thanks Robert. Uh, but that's usually what happens. You know, I'm a computer guy, have a bunch of computers, all these cables my wife forces me to get rid of it. I get rid of it. Some of it, I and she doesn't know. And then you know, the thing that I got rid of, I need like a week later. So uh, yeah, but you know, awesome intel, awesome information. Thank you so much for your time on that. I just wanted to say that. Thank you very much.
0: Nice comments. I appreciate hearing that. And you don't have to get rid of everything, right? One or two. I, and I, I do know that feeling the day after you get rid of it, you need it. So appreciate that. Anybody else have a question? Comment?
1: Jalen, did you see her chat? Uh,
0: let's see. Do you have a gentle way of telling my mom that her house is can't have anyone over syndrome? Well, Amanda, um, <laughs> is it uh, stuff that needs to be thrown away, or is it stuff that she's sentimental about? Is it stuff that's still usable, or has she just lived in the same house for fifty or sixty years? And
1: <laughs> yes, to all. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, you could ask your mom. I mean, this is not a casual conversation, but at some point I do have some games that I like to play with people who are kind of stuck in this. One of them is the pretend the paparazzi is coming over and going to photograph your beautiful home. What would you not want on camera? That's always kind of interesting and fun, like what they don't want. On a more serious note, you could at some point, this is not a holiday conversation, but just say, you know, what don't you want me to have to deal with? You know, if she's got, and again, I don't know you or your mom, but I know what I typically find in people's homes that have lived in their homes for 40, 50, 60 years is three or four sets of china, right? That they never use because they want it to go in the dishwasher and they want the ease of use, but they hang on to it. Um, I always just try to encourage people to just let it go, you're probably not going to earn any money on it, and let it go with the intention of it will end up in the hands of somebody who really needs it or wants it and even, I mean, maybe don't tell your mom this but I have to remind myself of this sometimes is even if it's going to a crafter, so let's use the China example, and she's gonna smash it up with a mallet and make mosaic mirrors or something. It's okay, it's being used, it's being loved, it's being treasured, right? So it goes back to the psychology of clutter. And maybe you could use these things with your mom, You know, what isn't being used, what isn't being loved, what is unresolved, that, that's where I would start. That would be my starting point, I hope that's helpful. Thanks for the question, it's a good question.
2: Yeah, I think we all have somebody like
1: that, right? And Noel just happens to live with him, but...
2: <laughs> well, I was thinking the one who just moved out, but that's okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I definitely been accused of having flat surface syndrome, so pretty much any flat surface that's in my realm is a place where I'm allowed to stack papers.
0: <laughs> so creative mind at work robert i'm sure
1: i uh i definitely Is that a man thing? too many notes
0: <laughs> no no That's it's a man it,
5: thing because my yeah. you and my husband are now best friends robert <laughs>
1: <laughs> he lives in a bus he doesn't have room to stack anything
5: And i to say there's only like three feet of, of horizontal space when you live in a tiny house that you built inside of a school bus so <laughs> you really do live in a bus mm-hmm. yeah we built a tiny we built a house inside of a 1989 bluebird school bus
0: Oh my gosh! And okay. I actually
5: could probably estimate how many length, how many feet of, of of horizontal service there is based on our like on our counters. But uh, Jim covers all of them with stuff. <laughs> cool.
1: All right. Thank you, Geraldine. That was so great. If you guys have other questions for Geraldine, please feel free to to put them in the chat, or we can uh, connect you with her, and you guys could have other conversations. So thank you so much.
2: We're having a lot of fun. It's really fun. I love giving stuff away. So a couple more questions. Robert, you ready? Yeah. What made you decide a podcast was the best format for you to leverage your time and message?
1: So Noel and I were invited to an entrepreneur event in Orlando in uh, 2020, January 2020. So it was a small exclusive group one of the presenters shared about the growing opportunity for building an audience with podcasts. And I made a commitment to start a podcast. So we got home, bought all the equipment to set up, you know, set up my studio and tried to figure out, you know, why are we going to do a podcast who we're going to serve? And then of course COVID hit and kind of discouraged me. So we didn't start our podcast till July of 21 and when I started thinking about the podcast and I realized I could use the podcast to get in front of some great people that my group coaching would never, they'd never come and do a group session, you know, with a group of eight to 10 people or let alone do eight group sessions, but I could get them on a podcast for an hour and ask them all the questions that would help my clients and, and, and me. And so there's the selfish element in it that I'm getting to have these great conversations with people that I've never met but see their success and want to learn from it. So we started with one episode a week, but I realized that every guest is introducing me to two or three great guests. And those guests are introducing me to another level of guests and the exponential power of meeting more and more guests. I've interviewed two formal NFL players, including a Super Bowl champion, best-selling authors. We've interviewed a couple of millionaires and even better millionaires who are helping others become millionaires. And so it's just been fantastic. I've interviewed successful business owners in England, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. And so the podcast is really allowing me to expand my network around the globe.
2: Not to mention successful business owners in America.
1: Yeah, them too.
2: (laughs) So next, what's the best thing you've learned so far?
1: Well, that's a great question. So my first reaction to this was, I just love what I do. And the podcast continues to bring confirmation of my beliefs and strategies for helping my clients every day. And, and of course, I've learned a new take or new idea. But for the most part, I've received confirmation that I have a good foundation for helping people draw out their purpose, grow in their character, and most importantly, develop their mindset to get that job done. And that excites me. And so that's why every interview excites me. And the value that our guests have brought to our clients and brought to our audience is is just amazing to me.
2: All right, next one. So quite an accomplishment to hit the 75 episode mark. What has been the secret to your
1: success? (laughs) So this is where we're learning, right? Consistency, 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 I think is the biggest thing. The growth is happening because we're being consistent. We're putting out four episodes a week. We've created systems to make sure that we put out The episodes that we put out each day are meeting expectations, and the quality that we release is honoring the guests and the time that they sacrifice to help us record them. And I think the piece that we're trying to figure out now is how to monetize it, how to capitalize on the momentum we're creating, and trying to build our email list using the podcast and market to our audience. And then, of course, we have to create partnerships, alliances, and use these relationships Um, that we have with our guests to create opportunities for better serving people together and so those are some of the things that we're working to figure out
2: and who would be a dream guest
1: (laughs) so about 50 episodes in i created a dream 100 it actually has more than 100 people on it but now that's on the footer of my email when i send out an email we've already interviewed a few of them which is really cool but we've created our vision and we're sharing it on the screen. I assume if we can get these up on Instagram and get enough people to share these, these are our top two. And if we can get enough people to see them, they'll agree to be on the show. So of course, this is Matthew McConaughey and Mike Rowe. They're, they're the top two on my list of my Dream 100. So if you're willing to share these, post in the chat that says, I'll share them on Instagram or write Instagram or something like that. Um, the third one, I haven't made an image yet because these are our vision images, right? Because I'm making these things real, is Hugh Jackman because his interview with Tim Ferriss was just amazing. And uh, I think I'd wanna have a similar conversation with Hugh. And so I, I just think it's terrific. Those, those images are just our dream. We're dream casting, we're vision, vision casting, and it's only gonna get better, right? One of the first people who agreed to be a guest on our show is a dear friend. She spoke at my first stage event that I held locally here in Colorado, and she's one of my raving fans. She's also one of my coaches who speaks life in our work. Lori Hammond's a professional hypnotist who runs a flourishing online hypnosis business. Lori's worked with clients all over the world and has developed a proven blueprint for creating deep, meaningful connections that spark transformation in a virtual setting. She is now empowering a network of hypnotists to build their own online presence and grow their own businesses. You guys are in for a treat. My friend, Lori Hammond.
5: Thank you so much, Robert. I am so grateful. And I'm, I'm so honored to be here with you all. Gerilyn, that was a spectacular presentation and I took away so much from it. So thank you, thank you for that. I wanna ask you all, okay, I, I'm gonna click into gallery view because I, I hate feeling like I'm just a talking head. So now I can see you all. I feel like I'm here in the room with you all. Will you let me know in the comments if you, I'm assuming that this this is a room full of mostly of entrepreneurs. Will you just, just let me know what you do for a living so I get a feel for how I can customize this presentation for you? I would love for this to be an experiential few minutes together where you get to experience something really incredible. I was going to say, oh, coaching. I, that, that's a great one. That's Robert. Okay, this is awesome. I see business owners, branding and graphic design, business owners. Okay, perfect. This is exactly, the, this is just for you. So if I could show you, I feel like one of the biggest challenges as an entrepreneur is having um, creativity on demand. So if I could show you a way to spark creativity on demand would you be interested okay perfect so if you would let me know again in the chat what is a time in your life if you feel comfortable sharing it if not you can just do this in the privacy of your own mind think of a time in your life when you have been it just in an uber creative place where ideas were flowing um Perhaps I know for me, it can be like in the shower, I'll, I'll, I'll be trying and trying and trying to think of an idea. And finally I'll just give up and walk away and I'll get in the shower. And there's something about just being around water that sparks creativity for me. And all of a sudden the ideas flow and I've literally gotten out of the shower at times and run over to my laptop and like type something up that I had been working on for weeks and weeks. And all of a sudden it's like, it just comes out in 45 seconds. So okay, I see some on a hike and the on a walk in the mountains, standing up looking at a blank whiteboard. That is awesome, Amanda. I'm impressed by that. That to me, that's when the ideas are like, oh, it just it feels so, you know. it's like I just need one little spark to keep it going so knowing that you can look at a blank whiteboard and have creative ideas is really amazing washing dishes near water being drunk you know what actually I think that does count because it's like we loosen up a little bit we start to relax and those ideas just start to flow so this is gonna this is going to really resonate with you I think I would like to show you Robert you mentioned that I'm a hypnotist yes Sometimes that scares people. So, since, since Robert has already let the cat out of the bag, I'm just going to tell you I'm going to teach you a self-hypnosis technique. And oftentimes, I think people are a little freaked out by the idea of hypnosis, but I believe that we are in trance. Often, if a person is ever you know, stuck in, in an event from the past where they're thinking about the past in a way that makes it feel real, it's almost like your body is reacting to a sense of panic or something that has happened in the past. That's a form of hypnosis. If a person experiences anxiety, I'll have anxiety clients come and say, can, can hypnosis, can I be hypnotized when I struggle with anxiety? And I tell them, you are already a pro at anxiety because anxiety is thinking about something that hasn't happened yet and making it so vivid in your mind that your body reacts to it by you know by sending these feelings of tension or panic or um, rapid breathing. Um, If you've ever been in a car and you're driving in your car and you're just kind of zoned out, you pull into the driveway and think, how did I get here? That's that's a form of a trance as well. So I want to show you how to put yourself into a, a trance of creativity. And often when we feel stuck and we feel like we're not able to focus and we feel like the ideas just aren't coming, it's because perhaps we are, actually, let's do this. Put If you you feel happy to do so, put some things in the comments that tend to keep you stuck from feeling creative. So you've talked about some of the places that spark creativity for you. What, What is the opposite? What are things that keep you from being creative if you were to you know, have a project for yourself and sit down to do that project, what would block that flow? Clutter. And this is why Geraldyn's topic was so relevant. Yes, clutter for, does that for me as well. I actually, as you were asking Gerilyn for ideas of things that we have around our house that that don't need to be there, I actually experienced the flood. Um, Valentine's night at the beginning of this year, my my fire alarm went off in my house and I woke up to water pouring in my house and lost almost all of my belongings. So I actually have a very low clutter environment um, and it's it's really liberating. It felt like a fresh start. It, you know, I, I lost some things that I'm sad about. The, the worst thing was my, um, I had my kids' paintings in this gigantic manila folder in, in my closet and like all of their paintings from school And my daughter had this charcoal painting it was um, actually it was chalk on a black backboard it was a self portrait, and it was beautiful. And after my flood I went and I pulled that out, and it was completely, it was just all black the chalk had been completely um, washed away so. That's just a little side note. Okay. I see some more other responsibilities. That's a big one, Jackie. Yes. Kids, hunger, overwhelm, interruptions, fatigue, complacency. These are so good. Have to have to jump on a business call. I don't think that that's a reason. I think that's a statement. <laughs> so although that could be a reason we would struggle with creativity, I notice for me personally, it's, there's often some kind of an internal dialogue going on that's keeping me from from flow, being in the flow and being creative. And that could have to do with any of these things that you all are talking about. Oftentimes there's also an inner dialogue that says, I'm not very creative, I'm not good at this. And I believe that that is a powerful form of self-hypnosis in and of itself. Marie Forleo says the most powerful words in the universe are the words you say to yourself. So I invite you to think about the things that the declarations that you make about yourself think of them as a form of self hypnosis and be really careful what you say about yourself I invite you just to say empowering things and if you can't believe that you are creative you can just try on the thought of what if I am creative what if I what if I could be creative just for a few moments so I would like to walk you through this self-hypnosis protocol. And by doing this with me right now, and I promise I'm not going to control your mind and make you do anything that you don't want to do. It's just going to be a really deeply peaceful, relaxing time. By playing along with me now, if you feel comfortable doing so, this is going to teach you how to do this on your own in the future. And it will take me just a few minutes to guide you through this but we're going to create an anchor. It's called an anchor that allows you to then do a specific motion just to bring your hands to your heart and experience instant creativity from now on to just spark that feeling of creativity. So if you would just bring your hands to your heart with me right now, and if you'd like, you can close your eyes. You can also keep them open, whatever's most comfortable for you. And just
3: notice the sensation of your hands against your chest. Notice the rhythm of your breathing. The way the in-breath leads to the out-breath, leads to the in-breath. It's almost circular, like a wave. Become aware of the sensation of being supported by the surface beneath you, supported by my words, supported by this moment. And I'd like you just to bring to mind the thought of
5: an elevator, just a tiny little elevator. This is a body elevator. And imagine that this is an elevator that moves from the heart to the head. And what I'd like you to do is leave
3: your left hand on your heart and gently place your right hand on your forehead. And just notice from this place how you're feeling. Are you feeling
5: any frustrations? Are you feeling any of those things that you mentioned, complacency,
3: fatigue, hunger, overwhelm? Just notice what you notice without judgment. And as you calmly breathe in and out and think about that elevator,
5: I want you just to imagine that that elevator is moving from your heart to your head
3: and then back to your heart. With every in breath, the elevator moves up from your heart to your head. And on the out breath, it moves down from your head to your heart. And just imagine this little body elevator moving up and down calm, easy movement.
5: And some people who enjoy working with colors might imagine on the in-breath, a specific color that represents heart energy moving up into the head.
3: And as you exhale, imagine a specific color that represents thinking moving down into the heart.
5: And after a few elevator rides, you realize that you're getting the head and the heart in touch with one another. It's as if you're beginning to feel thinking and think feeling, learning to think with your heart and feel with your head. And that can provide so much harmony in thinking in feeling and acting. And now just leave your left hand on the heart and move your right hand down to your belly, just below your belly button. That hand now touching the belly, it's touching the area of old emotions and also the area of your vitality, your pure spirit, childlike playfulness and creativity, intuition and a knowingness that reveals the answer you need in every situation. On the in-breath, the little body elevator moves from your belly into your heart and brings with it playfulness, joy, intuition, creativity.
3: On the out-breath, energy flows from your heart to your belly so that now you get an understanding of old emotions and feelings. And you can look at those things with compassion. You can even laugh at the small things that sometimes bother you. You can feel lighthearted. Breathing in takes the elevator up from belly to heart, making you feel even
5: more joyful, even more creative. And on the out-breath energy flows from your heart to your belly, sending deep compassion and a sense of resilience. And as you observe this pleasing sensation in your body, you can imagine that elevator once more moving
3: from belly to heart, heart to head, head to heart, heart to belly,
5: so that a harmony begins to emerge, a symphony and a coherence that allows you just to be here now.
3: And I invite you to bring both hands back to your heart. And just imagine taking this sense of peace,
5: this sense of spaciousness and creativity into the next time you want to work, you want to be creative, you want to spark ideas. Imagine bringing this in with you. Imagine working from this space. Imagine those creative ideas flowing And mentally rehearse bringing your hands to your heart anytime you want to feel creative and just allowing that little body elevator to create coherence, to create harmony, to create unity between the thinking and the feeling and the intuiting parts of the body. And just set an intention by by saying to yourself, I can be creative. And when you're ready, you can go ahead and bring your hands back, just place your hands in your lap, open your eyes and come back to this moment. And that's all there is to it. In fact, this works so well that you can even think about, you can just imagine that elevator anytime you want to spark creativity and you'll notice the ideas beginning to flow. And another practical idea, don't wait for the ideas start writing, start typing, start crafting, stand in front of that whiteboard that Amanda was talking about and just get your dry erase marker and, and start moving your hand. And it's like that sim, that symbol of the body beginning to, to act triggers the mind to follow and that, the ideas to flow. So that's all I have for you, Robert. If any of you has questions or comments, I would be happy to hear what you have to say. <laughs>
3: Hey, I, I
5: just wanted to uh, say thank you that that was amazing. Good.
0: feel just being able to tap back into that energy. So thank you so much. I really enjoyed it.
5: Thank you, Joanne. Thank you.
0: Yeah. You're
5: in a beautiful space too. I love that art behind you. Thank you. I'm in a
3: co-working space right now. So oh, awesome. I'm the, although the, I'm the only one here. So <laughs> co-working <awesome>. alone. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Ahead, Drew. Hey, uh, I just wanted to say, um, uh, now that I feel like i got 20 minutes worth of rest, that was awesome. Um, you know, coming from a guy and and you mentioned, um, you know, anxiety, things from are being used to it uh, as a child suffer from severe anxiety. Um, and both of my kids suffer from anxiety and one is OCD and OCPD. Um, So the challenges in our house, you can imagine, um, are are challenges nonetheless, but I'm definitely going to utilize this technique a little bit with my youngest. uh, So I do appreciate that. Thank you so much.
5: Yes, you're so welcome. Thank you. I I think kids really love this this, um, visualizing stuff, the energy. And it's interesting because I think when we tap into creative imagination and just think about things like elevators, it actually sparks the childlike part of us, which is more creative and which is able to heal and let go of that anxiety. Robert and Drew, do you care if I, if I share just a really quick, fun, simple breathing technique that can help a great deal with anxiety? Of course. Okay. Well, since so so how many, let me, let me go back into gallery view so I can see the, the hands. How many of you are familiar with Dr. Andrew Huberman? All right. So he is a neuroscientist who teaches. He I, I geek out about the why. I want to know why something works and how it works. And he teaches a technique called the physiological sigh. And this is something we do naturally. People automatically do this. And it's it literally offloads stress chemicals from the brain, like cortisol and adrenaline. It Let's it releases those from the body and puts a person into what's called the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the rest and digest the uh, nervous system. So it lets a person start to experience the chemicals and hormones of peace. So have you ever yourself or witnessed someone else crying really hard, like they're just inconsolable, and they go, <sighs> Or maybe you've seen like the family, <laughs> the family dog, like when it's getting ready to fall asleep. So I, I have um, little grandbabies. My, my youngest grandbaby is six months old. And the other day I was holding her and as she was starting to fall asleep, she did the same. She went, and I said, she just did a physiological sigh. So it's so simple. And one One breath like this is often all it takes to take a person out of fight or flight fear mode, which is what anxiety is, and put them into the mode of peace. And so if you want, you can do this with me right now. You're going to close your mouth and take two inhales through the nose
3: and then let it out through the mouth. So we'll do one more. And Dr. Huberman says that it like three is the max you need.
5: Usually one is sufficient. Notice how your body responds. Some people enjoy it more than others. I've taught this to some people and they say, I don't like this. This doesn't feel good. So listen to your body, but this can be a really powerful way. And Drew, that might be something you can share with your kids that will really help them as an anxiety shut off switch. So that that's all for me. Thank you. Awesome.
4: Thank you so much. I'm more definitely going to use, I'm going to use that for myself. Like it's a drug for crying out yeah,
5: loud. It is. It is um, awesome. It's like, instant. yeah. Thank you. Yeah.
1: Lori, thank you as always inspiring and encouraging. When, when Lori and I first met, it was a business networking breakfast and it was the first business event that I'd been to that someone said, I'm a professional hypnotist. And so I was intrigued and curious two of my mentors had studied hypnosis and of course NLP and NLP and hypnosis have a lot of overlap and so i wanted to learn more about what lori did and at the time her focus was weight loss and of course that's not an issue for me and so we we didn't have an alignment there but i knew there was something about her that just really impressed me and over the last couple of years she shifted from her specialty in weight loss to actually helping coaching hypnotists into building their own businesses. And so it's been amazing to watch her help people with their self-belief and their marketing and their Facebook audience building, and just just all the ways that she's loving on, on her audience and making a huge impact in so many people's lives who are impacting people. And so I'm a huge fan, a huge supporter, and we'll continue speaking into the fact that laurie and i will be sharing stages to large audiences together and uh when when we're allowed to get in rooms with more than five people will uh, those things will start coming back and so i'm excited about that all right we got a couple more questions let's uh answer these questions this one's going to be for noel um, just so you guys can test me since I answered the others. So what do you attribute your success in running a business and maintaining a solid marriage at the same time?
2: So there's a lot to this one, but what come to, came to mind first was open communication and lots of travel. I love being on the road, but we're empty nesters now. And as Robert has said it uh, before, we have successfully released two humans into the wild. Um, we are enjoying focusing on each other and how to help others experience success in their lives and in their relationships. We both recognize that we're better together. We tag team when we're frustrated. Neither of us wants to do life alone. And when one of us is just done or fed up, the other one's still going.
1: Obviously a big part of our success has been our commitment to the journey, our mission. We're committed to our partnership and mission together. And it is her and I together against the world. And our relationship is built on that same premise as our company to encourage one another, and build each other up. Our job or role in our relationship is to make each other better. And that only happens when you focus on the journey. Too many times couples can get selfish or focused on what's in it for me, and we're focused on what can I do for them. And I think that's helped us not be in competition, not keep score. Um, we recognize how much we complement each other and can help each other be better. My role is to help her to be the best daughter, the best mom, and best wife that she can be. And then she does the same for me. We seek to do the same for our clients, encourage one another and build each other up, which of course is why we use Add Value to Life as our company and Add Value to Entrepreneurs as our podcast. My wife wanted to make sure everybody got to see the cake because we did make our cake. Thank you guys so much. It was nice meeting all of you.
3: Congratulations. Thank you you so much. This was fun. Thank you,
2: everybody.